Good morning, everyone, and thank you for tuning in today. If you need help keeping track, today is Monday, March the 8th, well into the swing of things, almost to spring. Some people are having their spring breaks this week, so congratulations if you didn't have to worry about getting ready for school this week. And with us, it's week 10 of the Indiana General Assembly. So as always, Legislative Monday, we've got with us Representative Randy Fry to give us all of the news at the State House. Good morning, Randy. How are you today? Oh, good morning, Jody. Isn't it beautiful to have a sunny weekend like that and then nice temperatures after we had such a cold winter? Uh, just lifts everybody's spirits, certainly does mine. Absolutely. It um it's almost strange to get used to the sunshine still. So it's a good strange, but strange. <laughs> yes, it is. I'll work on it. I'll, I'll, I'll continue to work on it until I get used to it. Absolutely. <laughs> Same here. I, and I think it brings, I don't know about you, but it brings a smile to my face each day when I see the sky is clear and, and the sun's out. And it's huge. I don't remember the sun being that big. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is, and it's certainly nice and warm. I Absolutely. spent a lot of time on the uh, out on the farm yesterday. Yes, and Saturday. Yes, it was a great weekend to be outdoors, and I hear the first part of this week will still be continuing that. So that's a good thing. But, I won't know. Uh, uh, we'll we'll be indoors and uh, doing the people's work. So I ab- won't see that part. <laughs> Absolutely, you're a busy man, and we're not here to talk about the weather. Of course, we're talking about the second week <laughs> of the second half of the legislative section. Um, how are things mm-hmm. going so far? Well, Jody, this is the, as you say, the second week of the second half, and so what happened last week was bills were put on a bill list. These are Senate bills that came to the House. Same thing happened in the Senate with House bills, and then those bills um, have uh, uh, now working their way into and out of committees. And so this week, uh, as early as today at 9 a.m., I have one of my bills in the Senate committee. Tomorrow, I have three bills in my committee, which are our Senate bills that have come over from the Senate. So by Thursday or so, the docket and the calendar will be full, and then next week and the week after, it'll just be one right after the other of a lot of work to be done. So things change. Early in the first half, early in the second half, everything's done at the committee level, and by the end of the of the half, nothing's done at the committee level and everything's on the House floor. So that's kind of where we are. It's kind of where we're, we're going, I think. And uh, it's moving along pretty quick. We have to be done uh, by the 29th day of, uh, of April, and we will. Um, but as you know, we'll be coming back most likely with a special session later in the fall. Now, by this point of, of the session, do you have an idea of everything that you're going to sponsor? Will there be more things that you would you possibly could sponsor down the pike? It's possible, Jody, but mostly be co-sponsor. Um, when a bill leaves the Senate and comes to the House, the senator has to announce who his House sponsor is. Same thing when you, a bill leaves the House and goes to the Senate. I have to announce, or the representatives have to announce who our Senate sponsor is. So those are all established, but you can sign on to a bill. It's called to be a co-author or co-sponsor, uh, meaning I agree with this bill. I'd like to see this bill pass. I'd like to help get it passed, and so you become a co-author or co-sponsor. And I can still do that. It actually has to be uh, added to a bill today. So we'll see how that goes. But, uh, yeah, that, uh, most most of those decisions have been made by now or being made this week. Um, and it's about to get really busy. 
Now, one of those bills that we're speaking of, Senate Bill 77, that you are sponsoring alongside author uh, Senator Kreider, right? That's right, Mike Kreider. He's from up in Greenfield, and Senator Kreider has Senate Bill 77. What this bill does, Jody, is it changes the critical incident stress management uh, criteria um, for confidentiality. Um, critical incident stress management came about in the fire service at, when I was in the fire service, and it's also used across public safety, it's used in the military. And uh, what, what it does is it allows a uh, individual, a, a public safety officer, to seek help when they're struggling with something. Maybe it's a, an addiction. Maybe it's a, um, maybe they lost their, a loved one. Maybe they lost a child. Um, those kind of things, uh, divorce, those kind of things really uh, upset each individual. As you know, and also, Jody, it could be a run. Uh, they may have just seen something that's more horrific than, than they ever could have imagined, and now that's etched in their brain, and it's not easy to get rid of, I can tell you that. So uh, they need some help, and they're willing to reach out, and it is confidential except. And that, now, currently, it's all confidential, but uh, if this bill passes and it's in my committee tomorrow, these are the exceptions to the confidentiality. To prevent the first responder from committing a crime or fraud that is permitted that the provider of the critical incident stress management services or peer support services reasonably believes is likely to result in death, sustained bodily harm, or substantial economic injury to another, including the individual, uh, they were going to hurt themselves. Um, that's one of the things. Uh, suicide, very high in public safety. Uh, it's, it's awful. I had two different firefighters that I worked with who committed suicide, and I had no idea that they were anywhere near doing something like that. Um, they appeared at, at work on time. They were clean. They did their job. They were pleasant. And then you hear that, that, that they committed suicide. So we want those folks to have help. But when uh, someone finds out, uh, in, in this case, critical incident stress management uh, uh, evaluator, they can then uh, make sure this individual gets help instead of uh, having to remain confidential. It also uh, uh, it does not protect protect them from spousal abuse if they've uh, been abusing their spouse. Um, if they're a witness or a party to the incident resulting in the provision of services to the first responder, so, um, or if the first responder consents to disclosure. So these are just very specific areas, Jody, where an individual can, uh, uh, their, their uh, ability to remain anonymous in their uh, care uh, is removed, and it's to protect them or somebody else. Um, we want them to be protected. We want to take as good a care of them as humanly possible. But at the same time, uh, if there's a, about to commit a crime or they have committed a crime, uh, we want we want to make sure we can stop it. So it's just an adjustment into the current code. Now we've talked before about how it is really hard sometimes for first responders to actually seek that kind of help. Uh, help where they they need those peer support services or um, stress management services. Um, do you think uh, that in any way any of these provisions would hinder someone wanting to reach out for that initial amount of help? That's a great question, Jody. And I got to tell you, when it, when CISD first came on the scene, most of us stayed away from it because we didn't want anybody to think we were weak. Um, being in public safety, you are expected to be strong, and you don't want to appear weak. So 
Um, I, I, I doubt it. I don't think so. That's certainly not the intent of the bill. Uh, it's to find a, a space where the individual is protected unless there's a, a crime or a serious bodily injury that might result in this uh, individual seeking help. Uh, it's pretty narrow, Jody, so I would think that the confidentiality will still be protected in almost every case. Does the crime section cover everything, misdemeanor or felony? Uh, no, it's pretty specific. Um, and it talked about committing um, a crime or fraud. So a fraud would be something that might be a misdemeanor. So it, it could be. Uh, just depends on what it is. Uh, or peer support services reasonably likely to result in death. Obviously, that's pretty serious, serious bodily injury. Yes. Substantial economic injury. So there's a, it's a, a wide variety, um, I think, Jody, and mostly... I think it's just um, um, mostly a criminal activity. It doesn't specifically say a felony or misdemeanor. We're going to take a short break, and when we return, we'll continue speaking with Representative Randy Fry. And we're back, and today we are speaking with Representative Randy Fry on the 10th week of the legislative session at the State House. Well, switching topics, um, you'll also have on your list to mention about Senate Bill 187, protecting uh, monuments and statues. Yeah. So, Jody, Senate Bill 187 comes to us from Senator Eric Cook, and, uh, and Representative Julie Oldhoff is the sponsor. And what this bill does is it comes from uh, what we saw last summer. Uh, we saw uh, cities across this, this great nation where monuments to George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, and Abraham Lincoln, and others were torn down. And uh, and nothing seemed to be done about it. I mean, uh, it almost appeared that the police were just standing there and uh, just watching it. Uh, and so uh, this particular legislation states, the policy of the state of Indiana regarding protection of monuments, memorials, and statutes requires the state police department to prioritize investigation and prosecution of persons who destroy, damage, vandalize, or desecrate a monument, memorial, or statue. It all, and it requires the state police to work with the local units of government as well in that prosecution. But it goes further, Jody, and it says it provides that it is state policy to withhold state support money relating to a public space for political subdivisions that fail to protect public monuments, memorials, and statues from political subdivisions that fail to protect monuments. So, so what it says is you're not going to get your money. If you don't do your job and protect these monuments, um, you, then you're going to lose money. And uh, so it's got teeth in it. Um, most of us, I think, uh, we're, we're um, very upset to see our national monuments, our national treasures being damaged and destroyed. And so this bill simply says if you do, you're going to uh, be prosecuted, and if the local unit of government doesn't prosecute you, uh, we're going to take away your money. So uh, I, w I would say that that should get some attention. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, desecrating any kind of statues or memorials just does not seem to be um, like a smart habit by any means. Um, so prior to this, was there... Is that why our police and first responders kind of just stood by and watched? There was there no provision really on on covering that kind of stuff. No, um, I think it's it's specifically um, as 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 you we noted, it is the state police who is now charged with protecting these monuments. 
Um, basically, if we had a city police force that was instructed not to stop the, the damage to the monument, um, well, uh, that is their job. But if they are instructed not to do it, then the uh, Indiana State Police are instructed to do it. And, but also, if the uh, local unit of government's police force didn't do it, then they were going to lose their money. So um, it's a combination. It, it adds the state police as those who are responsible for, for investigating and prosecuting those who damage them. And then also, uh, of course, the local unit of government does it. They're not resolved. They're also responsible to protect them. And if they don't, they lose their money. And so this, I'm assuming, it covers damage and vandalism, not necessarily like if a, a local government deemed that a statue was not um, politically safe for the climate that we're in, that it, it didn't um, meet inclusivity, if you will. Well, I, the local unit of government can can remove any statue that they decide through the proper process. This is a vandalism. This is just out-and-out desecration and vandalism. So there's a huge difference if, if a, a local unit of government believes it's in the best interest of the community to move a statue or change, take it out uh, or a monument, then that's up to them. That's their business. That's what they are elected to do. This is about vandalism. And vandalism, of course, by any means, is illegal and, and not acceptable um, anywhere. Absolutely not. Well, certainly a busy week. Anything that we should look forward to hearing about next week? Um, I have a resolution that's on the uh, docket today, and that's to honor Corporal John Bishop. I don't know if you saw that. Yes. He was uh, killed in Afghanistan on September the 8th of 2010, and uh, his family approached me about doing a uh, memorial for him. And so we're uh, looking to name the bridge at the... Uh, on US 50 by Purcell State Park in honor of Corporal John C. Bishop for his uh, heroic sacrifice of giving his life in the line of duty in Afghanistan. Corporal Bishop, by the way, was on his third mission at the time that uh, he was um, uh, was killed. So he was a third de- deployment, I should say, at the time that he was killed in Afghanistan. So um, he is certainly an American hero. He's a Hoosier hero. And we wanted to uh, recognize that and name that bridge in his honor. Yeah, certainly a lovely memorial for his family. Do When bridges get named, are there generally ceremonies for that? There is, Jody, and uh, there'll be a sign put on each end of the bridge. And that is, if it has to pass the Senate yet. This is just in the house today. Mm. So uh, if, if it does, uh, then we will uh, see a, a ceremony. I'm sure his family will be there. We'll schedule it so they can be there. And then there'll be a sign place at each end of the bridge. Excellent. Is it normal for something like this to be able to, um, is this like an additional add-on that you can do in the House to move through the Senate too? No, this is called a, a concurrent resolution. And so what that means, it has to be filed like a bill, and it has to go through both the House and the Senate. So it has to be filed before session. It's, it's very much like a... Uh, a, a law or a bill, it gets voted on in both chambers, goes through committee in both chambers. Uh, it's, it's not something that you can just put together this afternoon and push it through tomorrow. So it's, uh, it's a big deal. Yeah, well, we certainly look forward to hearing and hopefully the passing um, of the concurrent resolution for the naming of the bridge over Lawfrey Creek in honor of 
um, Corporal John Bishop. Corporal That's John a Bishop. yeah. What a wonderful again a wonderful memorial for him and his family. Well, it is, and uh, this young man uh, didn't get a chance to, to live a long life like many of us, and uh, he gave his life uh, for freedom for us. And so it's one of the highest honors that I have is being able to recognize uh, one of our servicemen uh, who has um, died in the line of duty. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, as always, for all of your information. Anything you, Any last remarks you'd like to add? Well, next week will be busy, Jody. Uh, by the end of this week, uh, we'll have a lot more bills on house floor. Uh, but next week, uh, the calendar will be full. Early in the first half, early in the second half, all the work's done in the committee. Uh, in the, close to the end of the first half and second half, all of it's done on the house floor. So we'll see as things uh, move uh, from one, one area to the next.